0: what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. You're
1: working hard to put food on your family. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House!
2: We're here with another episode of Piets in Diplomacy. We have a very special guest this episode, JD Shulton. This is a second attempt to run for Congress, Iowa House District Four, uh, up in King Country, as they as they've dubbed it. No longer King Country, maybe Feenstra Country. No longer King Country. Uh, we have Might a gr- be JD Schulton
1: Country. Tyler, yeah. Whoa, come on oh, now. Sorry, sorry.
2: His interview was probably one of the most fun I've done. We talk Kumail Nanjiani, little Marvel actor. He's uh, doing an ad for JD Schulton coming up here soon and he was even able to uh, break some news for us we'll talk about that later during the interview and we also have some above the line below the line stuff for you we're gonna give you a brief news update on covid and the trump administration as that's been in the news a lot lately more trump officials testing positive white house press secretary there are even some pentagon officials that are being quarantined because of uh, possible exposure it's chaos in the white house at the at the moment the president has come back to the white house he claims to be healthy. I believe at one of his quotes was they checked his his blood. They checked his DNA and it, there was no DNA. It was just USA.
1: <laughs> that's incredible. That's a good, that's a really good one. No.
2: USA. Now we're back. USA. No, no DNA USA USA. USA. He's going to start campaigning here pretty soon. I believe they, they won't answer the question if he's had a, had a negative COVID test yet. If he tests negative, then I wouldn't care if he's going out doing rallies and stuff. Who cares? Do what you want to do. What
3: he d- he's been doing it anyways. So despite the fact that it, he has not passed the standard CDC recommendation for quarantining after having a positive test result, he has not, as far as we know, actually tested negative. He's young, healthy. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. He's Ship shape. Doesn't eat fast food. Not here. If he's still meeting in person with all sorts of officials. I mean, we've got Lindsey Graham now is refusing, even though he has had contact with President Trump face to face, no mask in the time period that Trump would have been presumably infectious. He is refusing to even take a covid test. And the suspicion that I've read online is that uh, it's because he's afraid any any result might postpone or push back or delay or influence the judicial nomination. Well, he's made, so,
2: it, he's made it very clear. They stalled the, the negotiations on the stimulus bill because he wants to push through. He being Trump. Trump, Trump. yeah, Trump yeah. Has, has stalled the negotiations right. on on the stimulus because he wants to push through the Supreme Court nominee. He made that clear that's his top priority. And, uh, of course, he flip-flopped back on Twitter because you never know what he's trying to say. You never know what's going mm-hmm. on. But now I think he's trying to ask for Congress to push through just a stimulus package for that would just be stimulus checks for Americans, $1,200 or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Which I'm not opposed to, but well, you're just getting so many different. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll we'll segue into our above the line, below the line, then we'll lead into our interview On. with JD Schulton. Jared, why don't you kick it off?
3: Yeah, um, I had some. You do very good ones. Let's hear them. Uh, my below the line, uh, Coca-Cola has uh, discontinued. It's coconut water. Did they made you guys co- know that they Coca-Cola made coconut made made co- water? Co- I didn't they know they did. even made it. Did in the you first drink place? it? That's my below God, the line. Cares well, the that that good.
2: Stuff.
1: Well. I, I mean, not water. good enough to drink it. That's good for you, though, right?
2: Not Coconut time, water.
3: I probably not Coca-Cola's version, but well, it was twice. my hangover drink. Right. Oh. That's what I was like thinking. Really I wasn't going to say it, drink. but yeah,
1: yeah. I've heard
3: that. Yeah.
2: Interesting. So, we're, what's got you above line? What's got you there?
3: Uh, the fly.
2: Oh think, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's fair. How terrible is it that in our country? And I get it. I know. We're, we're dumb. We're so dumb. Dude. We we watch an, a, vi- a vice presidential debate and there's actual substance and stuff in there for once, unlike the presidential debate. There's things in there that we should be listening to, the the actual policy positions. But Jesus, a fly lands on Mike Pence's head, and that's all anybody can talk about. And I don't blame him, I guess, necessarily. But wow, I was entertained by the fly. <laughs> I was counting. I was trying to see how long li- it came out to. Like it was like two minutes, three seconds, if were being exact. How
1: do you not take a swipe?
2: Well, how much product did he have in his hair? To maybe true. that dead, like, so he couldn't feel that. I don't, I don't know. Was also,
3: it, is Mike Pence actually a ghost? Yeah, is he alive? I, is, is he, not, he rotting is from he the robot? inside? Is,
2: that, is it his real hair? Well, and the worst part, the timing of it, it was when he was asked about systemic racism and he started his answer and then a fly landed on his head. He's full of shit? Is that what it is? Is that, ah. like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because he was trying to say that systemic racism doesn't exist. And lo and behold, a fly lands on his head and stays there for two minutes. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe. That's the wrong way to end up on Twitter or any social media format. Wow. Electric television, though. That's, in, that's just, I, that's my concern that's going to happen to, all right, if, if I'm a candidate or if I'm in charge of a debate prep for some candidate, that's got to be your biggest fear is going out there and something that is totally out of your control happens like that. A fly lands on your head. I know it was a few years ago. God, was it the Kennedy in in Massachusetts? He's getting he the, the
1: rebuttal for the Democrats. That, and and was the, it was the rebuttal.
2: And all you could see was this glare on his lips. I think he even joked about it later. I think the next year, when somebody was doing the rebuttal, and they he said, "You know, you'll be fine. Just make sure you don't put too much lip gloss or whatever it was on his face." And but like that, something silly as that. Marco Rubio, how thirsty he was Uh, at the one debate. Yep, kept drinking away. It's it's just (laughs) weird how these little things can can steamroll an entire debate (laughs) or somebody's candidacy. These days, I couldn't tell you
1: one thing that Rubio said. Just like I couldn't tell you one thing that the, uh, the Kennedy, the lip gloss Kennedy said, <laughs> I but either. I remember the lip gloss and, I, and I remember Rubio just going to town on that water.
2: It's just crazy. Your words. Yeah, it's and crazy shit.
1: what the internet can do to <laughs> a candidate. these well, days. Howard
2: Dean's a great example of that. It yep. was at the beginning of, you know, your YouTube and video compilations and stuff. His scream, his yell ruined everything. It's which to our benefit makes el- a great intro to a, to a podcast. Yes. So. Thank you.
3: It m- kind of makes you wonder what the point of the debates are if it's so easy to get derailed with social media and. Yeah, I don't know. Viral videos, if we need to come up with something that encourages better conversations. So, are we talking in debate media. rules? Might be. Because we I mean, are hey. the
2: epicenter of the best debate rules, and I still think, and I stand behind my Model UN slash disaster preparedness okay. module. But. I, in, mm? In theory, in theory, in theory. Well, one one of these days you'll understand. Uh, Ryan, what are your what do you got for above the line below the so line?
1: So my above the line is kind of crumbling slowly towards the line. Okay. Eventually to become below the line. Uh, but I I still am holding out hope that uh, the president contracting is that what you do you contract the coronavirus possess <laughs> contract it possesses you yes you become um, one right with so I'm I'm still holding out hope that the president of the United States, you know, getting this, this virus will cause people to take it more seriously. Just everywhere you go, you see people that are still not, not taking it seriously. For those of us with, with family members that have, that have had it, um, or just those of us that have seen other people impacted by it. Yeah. It's, it's bordering on offensive that, uh, there's so many people that still are not taking it serious. So I, I'm hopeful that there can still be some, some positive that comes from the president getting it.
3: Is that you're above the line?
1: Yeah. Okay because it makes me feel it, I'm I'm hopeful about that. I'm hopeful. Like I don't so want you're him, I don't want the him. president. <laughs> in a sense, like I I want as long as it becomes a uh, a learning thing. I don't want the guy to die. Like I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I don't want him to suffer. I don't want anything like that. But I want I want people to take this serious and and if this is the thing that it takes that somebody in this the highest elected office in the land, if that's what it takes for people to take it serious then so be it. But I as a country, I want us to be done with this and get past it and People need to take it serious, take proper precautions in order for that to happen. And if this is the thing, if this is the catalyst for that to happen, then that's outstanding. So be it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. What's where you you below at?
1: My below the line is that thus far I have found the debates rather uninspiring, whether it's been obviously the first presidential debate was just was no good. And even the vice president debate, I felt like sitting through it and watching it. A question is asked. And then you see the question on the screen and you got two minutes to answer the question and they spend exactly zero seconds of their two minutes answering the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, it's frustrating to me that like I, and I understand that's always been a thing in politics, but it just feels m- so much more obvious to oh, me Ryan. now. I'm not trying to say that there weren't moments, but like it would be nice at the end of one of these to feel confident. There, there was a time where I don't you saw some value in the other side and, and you saw some leadership qualities on the other side. And, and I just, I guess, like I said, uh, uninspired. They've been very uninspiring thus far for me. I think everybody would agree with you.
2: Our, our interview with J.D. Scholten, it's an interesting one because two years ago when he ran against Steve King, Steve King at the time and still probably now was the most or top three, top five most hated congressman in the United States. Don't even like saying his name. <laughs> I think even Ray Gunn created a t-shirt uh, apologizing for Steve King yeah. so and it's sold very well but so JD almost beat Steve King in 2018 and I think he probably was hoping to run against him again mm. problem is Steve King was primaried by Randy Feenstra a state senator from Iowa Feenstra is now running and is having a very hands-off campaign he hasn't shown up to a debate um, hasn't communicated with their campaign very much and that's kind of that's kind of where they're at right now I, at the polling I've seen polling that sh- has shown Feenstra up 22 points JD's campaign has shown their they think their numbers show they're in a statistical tie. I don't know. We're we're who knows with polling anymore. So it's it's going to be a good race. It's JD may have his finger on the pulse better than anybody else.
1: The vibe that you get from him is that he's going to be out there. I was going to say shaking hands, but he's probably not doing a whole lot of handshaking with a global pandemic going on. But he's going out there and having difficult conversations with voters, trying to sway people. And I, I think he's going to do that right up to election day. And I think it'll come across in the interview he's just a really really wonderful <laughs> wonderful guy like just a good guy. Like, a lot of fun i could I, I would not be surprised if he's able to pull this off not surprised at all give him the little the, the pints and diplomacy bump maybe we'll see if that's a thing
2: probably not time will tell on that we made him look why well, we didn't make him look cool he's just cool in general. yeah he was start the interview off and he's drinking drinking beer talking shower beer so it's yeah hopefully hopefully you guys enjoy We'd like to welcome up a special guest, uh, J.D. Scholten. He is the Democratic nominee uh, running to represent Iowa's fourth congressional district. Uh, he's running against Republican nominee Randy Feenstra. J.D. Uh, actually ran in uh, 2018 against, uh, who I'm calling uh, Representative He Who Shall Not Be Named. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're a former, uh, he's a former professional baseball player and Sioux City, is it Sioux City East? Yep. Sioux
0: City standout.
2: So uh, we'd like to uh, welcome J.D. Scholten to our show.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I was probably going to have a beer anyways about this time. And so this worked out really well. Now I can have a conversation. So, awesome. uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so
2: former professional baseball player, I love baseball uh, played at Central College. Um, awesome. Ryan's also a big uh, baseball uh, baseball guy loves baseball.
0: We talk baseball all the time. What drew you to baseball? What do you love about baseball? So my dad, uh, when I was born, he was assistant coach at Iowa State and was head high school coach at Nevada, and he ended up getting the Morningside uh, job, Division Two here in Sioux City, and that's how my family in '84 moved from from uh, uh, Nevada to Sioux City. And I mean, growing up, if to me it was six months, six months, baseball and basketball. I'm six six. Uh, uh, I still think I'm a shortstop point guard. My body doesn't think so. But, uh, um, but you know, we had really good teams here at East. My sophomore and junior year, uh, we ended up getting runner-up uh, in state both times. Both times to Ottumwa. I always say I can't run statewide because I can't campaign in Ottumwa. Uh, it's still bitter after all these years. Uh, but uh, I got to play baseball for my dad. And then uh, after, after I had a chance to get drafted in my junior year, and I transferred to Nebraska and and played in my senior year there led the team in era and got to play in the college world series i, I just it, it's competing it's being out there there's so many little things i miss i, I miss the smell of grass you know uh, on uh, on a nice field uh, i miss uh pitching giving it everything you have and just being worn out and, and taking a shower having a beer in the shower you know i miss the uh, camaraderie like just but
2: just so you're on the record, get you on the record saying you are pro shower beers.
0: No, oh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's, it's one of the biggest things I miss about, uh, you know, uh, getting a good uh, faucet that just like blast you. And, and I mean, as long as it's beer, I don't care what it what kind. Uh, what, you're a pitcher, 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. What's the hardest you ever threw? Uh, Clockwise, 93. I was a sinker slider guy. And so uh, I can't throw a ball straight to save my life. And and the more I threw, the more movement I would get. So uh, I would I, I would tend to get used a lot. I would still have a lot of success. So I, I don't know how much you followed us, but uh, last year at uh, uh, the state fair, I saw a, a miles per hour thing, and I was like, I haven't touched a ball other than a commercial in a couple of years. So I was like, I'm going to see what I can do. And I got six i had six balls and i ended up like first one was like 67 i'm just like oh geez <laughs> uh, but then i ended up hitting above 80 and i won like this big old minion like like huge huge and so it what was funny is that was when the caucus was happening and so at the state fair there was like Ten presidential candidates there. It seemed like that day. All this news media. I'm walking by uh, Governor Steve Bullock out of uh, out of Montana with this big old minion that's yellow as can be and big as can be, and all this news media is like, what the heck? And so, uh, so I got a little bit of press on that. But but when the shutdown happened uh, in March. I immediately bought a couple dozen balls and a net, and I, my goal was to hit 87 in the equivalent of what the state fair would be. That was actually gonna be one of my questions okay. was, did you did you get to 87? And I know you were trying to get there, did you make it? So uh, I ended up going down to a facility in in Johnston, and I can't remember the name of it, but I wanna give them a shout out because I'm very grateful. Uh, Sean Murphy uh, and Tim Flattery from uh, uh, Moonlight Graham show, uh, they they helped me out a lot. Um, And so uh, we, I get down there, I drive the RV down there and um, uh, we had a bunch of meetings and stuff in Des Moines. So we kind of worked it in. Uh, I start getting loose a little bit. I'm like, I don't know. I I think I feel all right. And then uh, we start doing it and I'm giving it everything I have and a lot of 84s. So then the guy who's there is like, well, get up on the mound because if you have that downward angle, maybe you can get a few more. We say same thing 82 to 84 and but still movement though it's just it's natural <laughs> and then um, i get off 86.1 86.1 86 point1 we hit it like five times i'm worn out it's probably about 40 to 60 pitches in I like just sweat and like i finally like all right i got three left and the first one i grunted 87.0 and that's that if you see the video this authentic yes because like it took so long to get it. But uh, we we got it.
1: I actually um, played. I still play. There's a 42 and over league, um, and we like we play Indianola. We play in uh, Urbandale. We play in Slater and Murphy. Actually, Murph play. I play on Murph's team. Oh, and awesome! So I don't know. It, this might be an opportunity for you to get back involved. Um,
0: <laughs> so I got two years right. Yep. Two years. So I just turned 40. So you know what? I would love to do it. Oh man.
1: I'm like, this would be huge. This would be a good get for us. We got, we're trying, we keep getting beat by the same, by the same team. Uh, yeah. No, I was, so am I obligated to play with
0: Slater because they're the team in the district?
1: I don't, they I don't think, I think I reached out first. So. Okay. <laughs> you get dibs. You get dibs. Yeah. We go by dibs in this league. Okay. Yeah, no. I'll have. I'm. Yeah, I will have somebody get a hold of you.
2: <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, I'll I'll segue into a question here. You ran in 2018 against Steve King. Maybe disagree with me, but he's probably one of the most disliked congressional leaders in our country at the moment, and back then as well. What was it like running against somebody like him? Because I know you got a lot of support from the outside. Um, I know there's a lot of, if I remember correctly, celebrity support. Bernie Sanders campaigned for you.
0: What was that? I- that time like for you so I mean all of it was surreal because I I went from just being an active voter uh, to uh, wanting to do something and and to me after the 2016 election I wanted to get more involved Uh, I didn't know what that meant and then my grandma's my biggest inspiration and one of my biggest fans when uh, I lived up in Minnesota was with paralegal up there I played town team ball up there she was at every game you know she's she's an amazing woman and uh she wasn't doing that well and the last thing she told me was uh you got to take care of the farm and i was the last person to get her eat she passed away and and that's when i felt that burden to do something more than just myself and that's ultimately that was the point where i started wheels started cooking and and the snowball just grew and grew and grew um and and so when i looked at uh, uh the race and everything I knew that if we could have a social media presence that at at any point you knew he was gonna say something controversial, and I just wanted all things to be pointed at us. And I I said, if we could just get this thing off the ground, I think we can do something. And I mean, it was was a lot harder than I ever thought it was gonna be. Um, You know, one of the hardest things was just trying to convince people that this race was winnable um it took 15 and a half months and we ran for 16 months <laughs> and the but the biggest thing we made i made a commitment early and i'm really glad i did so as a democrat i could have just bashed him all day long but but i wouldn't have gone anywhere Instead, when we went town to town and i went to all 39 counties last time uh all uh, three, at least three times most of them a lot more than that and i wanted to make sure we stood f- for something and not just we are anti-king I think that's one thing that a lot of Democrats right now, there's a lot of anti-Trump. We got to be way better than that. Like just getting rid of him—that's that shouldn't be the goal. Our goal should be things like universal health care. Our goal should be uh, uh, raising the minimum wage and and, and creating creating uh, income equality more and, and things like that. And and having these ambition and these goals and saying, hey, this is where we want to go. This is where we want to take this nation. And that's that's where uh, we made that commitment. And I think. That was a huge part of our success, getting out there to the people and, and saying, like, I'm just not anti-Steve King. I'm for something.
3: And I think that was a huge part of our success. So you, you were talking about how you got into politics and you mentioned some of the stuff you love about baseball, the competition camaraderie. Do you find any parallels now that you are kind of integrated into the world of politics? Do you find any parallels to what you, your experiences in baseball were?
0: Yeah, I, I guess running as a Democrat in Western Iowa, it's like being a visitor the, the entire time. <laughs> no, um, uh, I mean, it, it's in it, similar, I'll say that baseball was the best job for to prepare me for this, because this is a grind. I mean, and if you don't have it in your heart, if you don't have that, you know, you wake up, and I, I uh, I think I was watching something on Kobe Bryant, uh, or, or no, no, no. It was, it was, uh, I think the last dance, uh, the Jordan. I mean, that was awesome. And, and to see that competitiveness. And I, I think there was some comment in there that if you don't wake up and love the, the hard work, the training, then, then you're in the wrong profession.
2: You know, I, I can already tell how you do appeal to some of those Western Iowa Republicans because you, I mean, you're saying a lot of things that they they will agree with. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of the platform of the left actually does kind of resonate well with with some of those. I mean, Trump
0: Republicans. I well, I can't. Be, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say when you just when you talk about issues, you know, and just focus on the issues. that's yeah. that's that's it. What were you gonna say? I, I caucused for Elizabeth Warren, and I. I've heard of her.
2: <laughs> she follows you on Twitter actually. So I got my eye on that. Um, I, I knocked on a lot of doors and I ran into like at least 12 or 15 probably different people who voted for Trump in 2016, but were willing to caucus for Elizabeth Warren because they loved her anti-corruption stuff. And, and it, she made sense. It was common sense stuff. So
0: I, yeah, I, I see why you resonated well with those voters. You know, it, it's, and it gets back to,
3: uh,
0: I overlap a lot with Senator Warren um, and it's that prairie, well, she, she's not from, well, she's I guess she's from Oklahoma, but, but uh, it's that prairie populism and that style of politics. It used to be strong here in the Midwest, and, and like now uh, there's only just a handful of us left, like Tom Harkin, uh, Paul Wellstone, Berkeley Bedell. They used to be uh, a certain type of uh, Democratic candidate that would appeal across the board, and, and I feel that's being lost, and that's a huge part of why I decided to run uh, also, uh, you guys got to give me your your um, addresses and I'll mail you. Uh, we have campaign baseball cards. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not saying that we ripped them off of uh, 1989 tops, but they look <laughs> similar. Um, uh, but on the back, we have our uh, campaign promises and the, the five promises. The first two are not issues based. It, it's I wins over political party. Two is I'll always show up. And I feel like that's the bare minimum. You know, have this engagement, you know, you may disagree on everything, but but I'll show up and listen. Um, And then the three, four and five is what we talk about. Fix, fight and secure. Fix health care. Fight for an economy that works for everyone and secure a democracy because special interests are dictating it. But yeah,
2: you know, you know who the last Democrat to win in the fourth congressional district in Iowa was? It had to be
0: Burke, didn't it? I mean, well, so he was the it's changed over time. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know who was the, f- if it was the fourth, let me guess here. It had to have been either Harkin or Neil Smith. Neil Smith. There you go. You got uh, it. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. That's I had good. no idea. And I saw his name and I looked it up and I was
2: like, Oh, he has Neil Smith, the, the wildlife refuge over Prairie city. I was like, Oh my gosh, makes sense. He's
0: still alive. He's a hundred years old. Yeah. He, uh, uh, he, he doesn't really do much politically anymore, but last, last cycle, he came to one of my events and, uh, And I guess he hasn't contributed, or he hardly ever contributes, and he contributed to my campaign. So it was very uh, meaningful to me. So in in 1984, uh, 90% of the district uh, was represented by Democrats. Uh, uh, 80% was Harkin and Berkeley Bedell, and then 10% was was Neil Smith.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, Ryan, you got
0: one?
1: Yeah, you were talking about uh, how much time you spent um, in all the counties in the district. What's, and just showing up, having that conversation, what's the, the, the most pressing issues for the folks in your district?
0: You know, it, it didn't matter if it's Sioux City or a farm out, outside of Boxholm or, or anywhere in between, uh, whether we met with workers or farmers or, or what have you, uh, elderly, young, healthcare is the number one issue. And the reality in this district is almost every gas station I stop at in, in my RV, um, there's usually a donation box for someone who just got sick or someone in the hospital. And the amount of GoFundmes, the amount of uh, pancake breakfasts, we are the wealthiest country in the world, and yet we have to beg to pay for medical expenses. And so uh, that, I mean, that's it. I mean, you look at the backbone of this district: it's uh, health. I mean, sorry, it's uh, agriculture and it's small business, and both of them don't have good options right now for healthcare. And so then, what's what's the answer then? I say universal health care. Uh, I think it's going to take steps to get there. Uh, the next most logical step is a robust public option. And, and then uh, the things we have to make. And I think if we do it right, it will lead into universal health care. No, so we got to protect pre-existing conditions. Uh, we got to protect and expand both Medicare and Social Security. And then we got to get prescription drug uh, prices just to be reasonably priced or pricing everybody out. Yeah, I can speak to
2: uh, speak to that. my when I was a, probably like a sophomore in college, my dad herniated a disc in his back and had to have surgery to we had to file for bankruptcy. I remember my parents going through that whole bankruptcy process. And it was exactly like they always explained when, um, you know, Obama was pushing for the Affordable Care Act is that people shouldn't have to file for bankruptcy just to receive treatment. And I, I agreed with it, but I never really lived it until
0: my parents had to file for bankruptcy. You, you got to tell that story, man. Uh, that, that, I mean, seriously, if, uh, I, I have a couple forums coming up and, and like, I, so, so much of our campaign is hearing stories and going out and just listening. And like, I will take that story and, and use it at my next forum because, you know, people need to hear this stuff because the minute you say that you hear other people like, Oh yeah, that happened to uh, uncle Tommy or, or, or this, or, or, or my cousin Susie, and, and you hear these over and over again. And it just, I, I think that's what politics should be more of. Just like, hey, if we all have these issues, uh, because I heard this issue at this county and, and just seeing the head nods here, like I, I think that's what politics should be more and more of.
2: And it's, it's almost like we live in a society that is struggling to be empathetic because they don't care about any issues until it's personal to them. Same with same with something like that, or whether it's student loans, or even we've talked several. we talked with Rita Hart about this. Um, COVID. You know, you don't really believe in COVID, or maybe even care about COVID until you have to get tested for it, or you know somebody that has it, or you yeah. lose a family member to it.
0: I was a history major, and one of the things I learned, our professor said, statistics don't bleed, and and that. Like, I, I, it always stayed in my head, but I didn't really use it until politics. And so, like, I can rattle off, uh, like, 97% of Americans believe blah, 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 all this stuff. I can rattle off these numbers. But then when you talk about some, something specific that happened to somebody you know or some, a, a story, that's, that's where you get people. And I, I learned that fairly early on in the campaign last time. And, and like, so the example that we use in history was like, you could say 25 million Russians died in World War Two. I mean, that's a huge number, but like, if you don't know any of them, it's just a number. But if you heard, heard about uh, uh, Vladimir or whatever, I don't know, uh, and like they, there's a whole story behind it and him having a pitchfork or something, I don't know, just making that <laughs> up. Right? But, uh, that I mean that's the point like you when you personalize it hear that story that's how you connect with people and and I think the other thing is in the past I don't know five years maybe decade, I love comedy and I love stand-up comedy and what I realize is stump speeches are just set lists mm-hmm. and, and what it is is like so so and I talk with a lot of comedians about this and, and like getting more awareness and, and stuff with our campaign I get to meet uh, some pretty famous uh, comedians, and and I've talked with them about this, saying like you have uh, this joke, you 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 have your main jokes, but you don't know necessarily how you're going to get to there or everything. And anytime I grab a mic or whatever, I know the kind of the main things I'm going to get, but I might go off in a tangent, but bring me back to here and stuff. And it's it's so funny because like it, it's so true, but like it's stories mm-hmm. and it's connecting people, and 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 I just that's the part that I, I absolutely love literally yeah. just describe my interview strategy i just got a lot of stuff
2: here my main my main points and i'll, I'll figure it out you said you uh you met a lot of famous comedians who's who's like i don't want to say who's the most famous comedian but who's a comedian you met that was like a really surreal experience where you're like oh my gosh uh
0: well i i don't really get in awe of people uh, kumail uh Nanjiani is going to be doing oh. a video for us here shortly so oh, is he really uh, uh, do you guys know him oh yeah yeah, yeah he so, got ripped <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so he uh he went to Grinnell oh really yeah. yeah a lot of people don't know that so we actually we're, we're getting a bunch of Iowa folks uh who support the campaign uh, or, or either with the college here or from here and doing a little video uh with that so yeah, feel free to
2: let them know and maybe we get them on our podcast to talk about <laughs> why you got
0: involved in politics
2: that would I mean I wouldn't be for our first few episodes to get a Marvel superhero to
1: join us for a podcast be insane yeah I'll see what I can do with you name kind of name dropping um I and just a minute ago you were talking about stories uh so back in uh 2018 we actually came in and me and Stu and my 19 year old daughter who was who was here earlier and she told me to tell you hi um but we came and saw you speak with Bernie and Ames oh and Stu kind of big time me um, so after after the event where we rush up to the front uh, Tyler shakes Bernie's hand I reach out to shake Bernie's hand Tyler turns around and puts his cell phone into my hand <laughs> so I a picture of him and, and Bernie Sanders who so I'm I guess and then we go and we meet with Rita Hart last weekend uh, sh- and evidently she told some story about this uh you know sad uh central college graduate who's you know got all this student debt that's really strapping him so if you could avoid using his story like he this i'm tired of it i'm just tired of (laughs) it.
0: all Uh, of iowa politics yeah it's about him and his family running right through my household (laughs) i got a t-shirt
1: um i don't i don't know if i got one handy but it's it's the tyler stewart show I, t- <laughs> I guess um, what kind, of, what how how would you react if you got if you got big timed by one of your friends? I'm just kind of getting a feel for what kind of a what kind of a friend you are.
0: I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I probably I'm always I think I've had a lifetime of, of being that other, I'm being more of of Ryan more than uh, anything else, and so I, I I'm sympathetic.
1: I appreciate it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Bra- breaking news: <laughs> Jamie Schulton
1: more of a Ryan.
2: <laughs>
1: There's our headline. There's our
2: breaking news. <laughs> Got it.
1: If you edit that out, I'm going to be so upset. You. <laughs> Better learn how to edit
2: than yourself. <laughs> um, well, we can take a like a not really a break, but we can talk about the the beers we're drinking right now. All right. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll we can start here. We can uh, and then we'll pass it over to you. Ryan isn't drinking any beer right now. He's
1: he's recovering from an illness, not COVID. We found out okay, it wasn't COVID. I had a, I had a COVID scare. Um, so I'm drinking Pedialyte uh, in the powdered form. Orange yeah. is my go-to. <laughs> but no, I tested negative, so everything's good. I'll be back at school tomorrow. Um, I'm drinking a uh, Oreo Speedwagon from
2: Late Time Brewery. They used, to have the, they used to have this at the peanut pub in Newton until it was kind of demolished by the derecho. It's a great beer. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. It does taste like an Oreo, so it's awesome. And where's it out of? Uh, it's in Clear Lake, sorry. Oh
3: like yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then the other one we have here was the Roxy Irish Red Boone Valley.
0: Awesome. Uh, I am going with uh, uh, Westo and it's a Westo Fest. It's a Marzen style lager. I, we were up in uh, West Okoboji, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago, all the days run together now. Uh, swung in there as our 374 town tour this was our uh west Okaboji uh stop and then when we were in spencer i haven't cracked this open yet but there's a new place up there the iowa project a it, 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 uh, brand new place this year uh, i'm really excited this is a hell's smooth moose i think it's called we, we try to stop and uh go to a couple different places i went to one distillery uh down in uh, erling and the guy grows his own corn and so it's, it's all the whole product he, he, he produces right there. And that's, that's pretty cool. Well,
3: that was one thing I, you, you talked a little bit about the challenges of being in politics and you also are sort of a, not necessarily a unique case, but, um, not necessarily a standard politician, not just in your background, but you came out of sort of nowhere and didn't have a lot of backing, got a lot of success really quickly. And I think, especially right now, the, from, you know, talking to people my age, a lot of people are very frustrated with politics and especially young people probably don't, not a lot of them really have the desire to get into politics. Right. So do you kind of have a message for those people who, and obviously you're someone who probably support people getting involved as much as possible. So um, what's your message to those people? You know,
0: I think everybody has a role to play. And um, I, I mean, I just had a unique opportunity in I mean, when I was living out of state, uh, when I when I first lived after after baseball, I lived in Minneapolis for a little bit, and I I worked at a law firm that was very uh, engaging. We would have um, uh, candidates come in because the lawyers uh, fundraise for the lawyers, uh, but we would also uh, I had a, a attorney buddy who ran in the Minnesota third, the current secretary of Minnesota um, secretary of state in Minnesota. Uh, worked at the law firm and is a friend of mine. Uh, another uh, one ran for Minneapolis mayor a couple of years ago. And so it was a very political firm. And I was engaged. I, I would volunteer. I, w- I would do things with different campaigns. Uh, and there was a core of us that kind of did it together. Um, and then when I moved out to Seattle uh, in, in Washington state, I just voted I, I didn't, I was, I didn't, I wasn't into it. Um, I mean, it was so blue that it, there wasn't really like the competitiveness wasn't really there and it was it was just different it was a completely different atmosphere um and so uh i wasn't tuned out or anything i just like i was still in tune with what's happened nationally and everything and always with what's happening here in iowa but then i just i i i just was an active voter and that's it and then uh one of the things that really shaped me was okay so there was it was like a month 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 and so my, my, uh, visiting my grandma at Thanksgiving month later, she passed away. And then the months later was the inauguration and the next day I'm in Seattle and I went to the women's March and to be honest, I didn't know if guys could go, I didn't know what it was like. I didn't know what it was, but when I got there, I saw this energy and I just, I was so blown away that I immediately realized that that moment, okay, I'm moving back to Iowa. And i'm doing something i don't know what i'm doing but i'm getting in, in, in get getting involved uh and, and because i saw what happened here and i go that's not us and and so for those folks who are um want like trying to figure out uh politically uh you know volunteer do something with a campaign but do it with friends make it fun Politics can be fun, like if you believe in something, get behind a candidate or or, or a cause, you know? Uh, everybody needs help. Uh, every group, every, uh, if, and it, it feels good to, to help with something too and, and get motivated. Uh, there's a lot of things to get turned off in politics, especially right now, uh, but, but you know, um, one of the, there's an article I read several years ago that just really shaped my life. And it, it was, uh, it says, Life's not about the pursuit of happiness it's about the pursuit of meaning. I think one, that's a huge thing is what is what's the purpose of all this what's what's the purpose like why do I want to make Iowa better and I know my answer why do you, why do, you do all these things and or why don't you and and I just challenge everyone to to really just find your passion and, and that's I, I, I think that's kind of it um
1: this is going to kind of backtrack a little bit so we've seen trump's way to avoid discussing the issues is to, to during the debates was to interrupt and um, insult pence avoided answering questions um, or he would just avoid the question and ask her a completely different question um, your opponents taken a, a pretty bold strategy um, by just not uh, not showing up for the debate i think i, I, think I heard you basically I I believe you referred to it as a as a job interview, and he no showed the interview. So yeah. again, bold strategy. But do you think is he avoiding to to avoid losing you know losing those points,
0: or why do you believe he's avoiding it? I mean, it's clear that they're just banking on the fact that they're the registration numbers are in his favor, and they just feel that um, they they just can ride the coat. Uh, tales of the top of the ticket. You, you know, we have built this campaign to really—I mean, literally tonight. I before this, I was on a Zoom with Republican women, and there was a, a Republican woman who our organizers reached out to—a a woman, one particular woman—who who said, "I'm voting straight red, but I'm willing to give your guy just a listen." After after the event she texts my organizer she said i'm in and, and you know it, it's stories like that like if i can get in front of enough people we can win this race and that's what we learned last time it's just how do you do that how do i get that message because our policies are, are way better we don't even know what his policies are his his agriculture policy page is like three sentences and, and like right now we have a depressed egg economy agriculture economy with our farmers with their backs against the wall. They need some some damn solutions. And like, that's, it's a joke. This is the second most agriculture producing district in America. And in in, you know, what they said in the Republican primary about Senator Feinstra, it it seems to be true. He's bought and paid for. So he was asked to run by a lobbyist and and like, I don't even know if I know a lobbyist. (laughs) (laughs) And so like so it's, it's a clear contrast. And, and so this is could be a great example in political science of what a grassroots campaign can do compared to against like a, an establishment campaign that's just banking on, on numbers. So our
2: last question, uh, not really a question, but it's more to you of, of how you wanna handle this. Undecided voters in the fourth congressional district, what is your elevator pitch, your 32nd, hey,
0: come vote for me? Okay. And then after I'm done with this, you're going to have to tell me, am I the best uh, person you've had on here, or? or... We'll, we'll, we'll share that with you. We'll <laughs> share that with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm not that, that uh, egomaniac. Um, so 30 seconds. So I would hand them a card and I would say, you know, I don't know where you're at politically. But at the end of the day, it's about showing up and it's about representing Iowa over anything else. And that's what I represent. And when you do talk about issues, it's fix, fight, and secure. Fix healthcare, fight for an economy that works for everyone, and secure our democracy. Because at the end of the day, no matter what I vote on, I am gonna show up to where you live or within a, a few miles of where you live and you can hold me accountable. That's my pitch.
2: Thank you so much. We'd like to thank our guest, J.D. Schulton, for, for dealing with us and putting up with our shenanigans. Um, it was, you were a great guest, we loved having you. That was so much fun. I mean, I hope we can do this again sometime. That was fun, hopefully in person next yeah. time. Um, yeah, this was, this was great. Thank you for joining us.
0: Okay, can I leave you with one thing? Yes. And it, it's the best advice I got last cycle. And it was from a gentleman who's from across the river in South Sioux City, Nebraska he passed away last summer uh, but he was a family friend he was a member of the Winnebago nation Uh, he was an activist and when I first started when no one thought I had a chance he goes JD what you need to do you have to get uncomfortable and once you get uncomfortable you have to get others uncomfortable so my challenge to you three if you want change get uncomfortable and we only have a short window to get uncomfortable from now until the election so thank you for having me on and uh, uh let's let's let i'll win and we will do this again next cycle absolutely thank you
2: all right we're back from our interview with jd schulton uh that was, it was very interesting very entertaining a uh, lot to unpack there uh so we're gonna we're gonna go through our takeaways quickly um we'll, we'll pass over to ryan he can start with the first takeaway and he can share what he thought was kind of a, was interesting from that interview
1: yeah i think um The whole thing really was 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 really really good um i really enjoyed that one a lot um i mean they've all been great but like just what a what a what an interesting guy um easy to easy to relate to um i I really enjoyed uh the the baseball aspect of it too um i thought it was really cool when he brought up uh the the missing the shower beer i thought um like that just kind of blew my mind. Like what a normal, like what just a normal dude. Like it's it's very shocking when these people that we, um, I don't know, we admire and, and kind of, I, I don't want to say put on a pedestal, but in a sense you know, we, we look up to them and admire them and um, to see that they're just normal normal people like us. Um, that's really, really, really cool.
2: And I thought um, the moment he said shower beers, I, I almost kind of, I think about it now and I'm questioning like, that was, what, a minute or two into to our interview. So that was the first question. Yeah, he looked at what – he had to peg – the moment he saw us, he pegged us as people he could share that information with. So I don't know if that says a lot about us or him. But, yeah, that moment he said shower beers, I knew we were in. I knew he was going to open up and be a cool guy to interview. So that was yeah, – that was it. spectacular.
3: Yeah, that. and, I mean, not to, like, kind of nerd out, but, like, he's, he really is kind of an inspiring guy. I mean, he's optimistic, but not in, like, a – insincere sort of way uh he's just very real but has you know good things to say about it kind of makes you feel like you get off the phone with him and he like you feel better about things you know, this even the state of the world even though he's not like oh it's all rainbows and unicorns it's still like you feel better about how things are going <laughs> my takeaway what i thought was interesting and i mentioned it to
2: him was i think i said something to the effect of I can understand and see how you do appeal to some Republican voters because you are sharing, you are saying things um, in a certain way. They're Democratic beliefs, but you're saying them in a way that's going to relate to these voters because, Ryan, you said we put politicians on a pedestal and then we start labeling them with left and right terms, and I think it's easy to lose sight of what their actual core policy beliefs are until you actually sit down and talk policy. And once you do that, I think a lot of people start to realize, yeah, I agree with that hold people accountable. Our politicians accountable, get, get money out of politics. Everybody kind of agrees with that. And that's a very large uh, democratic platform. It's probably a Republican platform too. I would like to think all the bickering and hate and all that stuff from, from the left and from the right gets all, all that message gets lost. And I think he does a good job of point, he, he did point it out. And I think he does a good job of those things. And I think that's probably why, you know, in 2018, he came within three percentage points of beating Steve King granted. Sorry, he, who must not be named, uh, he was not very well liked. And I mean, when Mitch McConnell doesn't like you, or sorry, <laughs> sorry, scratch that. I'm sure Mitch McConnell doesn't like him, but when when uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, doesn't like you and he strips you of your committee assignments, that that says something you really messed up. And, and especially in today's Trump Republican party, you really, really messed up.
3: Yeah, and you mentioned the sort of like it's that he kind of talked the core beliefs and not the policies, but he also, I'm like on the flip side of that coin. He did dive, went into like healthcare a little bit, and kind of threw some terminology around. Got into the policies, but like didn't get bogged down too. Did didn't go to like party talking points and things like that. So he kind of toes the line well, talking policy, talking politics, and just being yeah, like we've said, just a straight up normal guy.
1: I mean, we talked about the shower beers. Um, I think, I think um, just I don't know the the fact that it, it is. Committed to playing for the Reds in 2022.
3: Um, I love how you're just trying to like recruit talent. <laughs> Dude, if, he can, if he can put up
1: 80, if he can be in the 80s, like we'll ride that. We'll ride that guy to the championship. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, yeah, just like really a very humble guy, and like yourself, Stu. Um, <laughs> you know. Talk about the, you know, he was referencing, doing, you know, a little name dropping and, you know, we talked about, um, you know, Elizabeth Warren following him and stuff, but like still very humble, very down to earth. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough about, and that obviously shows, shows a lot about his character, but yeah, just great guy.
2: The amount of times he said, politics sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I found myself saying that several times over the last four years, even before that politics I kept saying politics sucks. It's like it's a lose-lose situation no matter what route you
1: take yeah and he, he wants to be a part of changing that, which is really cool. Um, I think you know a lot of the things that he's doing goes against what we what we see you know he wants to get out and have conversations with people um even people that that don't agree with him uh, and have the conversation which you know a lot of people you know if you if you look at the conversations that are being had on on social media, it's not very i don't know if it's very productive even sometimes, but um he's out there having productive conversations and and trying to make a difference. Part of me,
2: it's frustrating. I wanted to ask him a question. You can't show up to a debate? Like, come on! Yeah. At least when we in our country, there is a like a social contract that you kind of sign or you agree to when it, when you enter the political field that you show up for that job interview. Like he said, you have to do those things. That's a part of the process, and it's it's frustrating to see that he can't even contribute to a, a, a congressional debate just to show the people that this guy's interested. He's banking like he's on his money and everything else. I mean, come on, show up to the debate at the very least. You know, I, I personally, I think it'd be awesome. Call me crazy, one of my weird ideas in theory, it makes sense, but like uh, passing a law that holds these congressional, especially more especially the congressional leaders because they represent these districts and are more representative of our country, but they're required a certain amount of times to hold town halls in their district while as elected officials. To make sure that they are heard by the people they're not even if they make a bad decision or if the people are upset with them they have to hold that town hall or at the very least show up to one debate to to show the people like hey i i care here's here's me uh doing this job and you tell me i'll tell you what i how i feel and what and if you want to hire me vote for me
1: but does does anybody see the comedy in uh the political party that's their message is kind of like you can't trust the United States Postal Service. You can't trust these mail-in about the fraud with with mail-in ballots. And their their candidate in this district is mailing it in, like yeah, <laughs>
3: <I'm> like <laughs> like I mean, yeah, you did there.
1: Yeah, it's right. Funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny.
3: Yeah, it's it's too bad. Like it was obviously a very calculated decision. I mean, there's a pretty rational reason why he didn't do it. He he didn't. He had much less to gain by showing up than he pr- potentially could have lost by. It for badly against jd who obviously knows this stuff but it's yeah i mean it's kind of like you said what does that say about the guy you know when he's supposed to be there representing us like right now they one of the huge issues that i see like not just the amount of time they're supposed to be there but the record of most of the i don't know about on the uh, state level but congressmen, senators representatives not showing up for vote like the standard of what you have to actually contribute once you're elected is not very high and so the fact that this guy couldn't even be bothered to show up for a debate I think it says something about what we can expect from him once he's actually in office Um, and not just that I mean J.D. made the point of his whole thing is I'm going to be there I'm going to be accountable to you the voters and I can't imagine this guy's going to be if he can't show up for a debate Uh, so yeah it's like you said it it's a job interview and I think whether it's required or not, that definitely says a lot about the kind of employee he's gonna be. And I, I get
2: like you said, and I said, and I'm I'm saying this as if he is listening because just you never know, like if never he's know. shared out and he listens. I'm not I've I've not bashed your I've not bashed your policies or anything because I don't know your policies through and through. I know you're a Republican, um, State Senator Feenstra, but what I'm saying is really we have this agreement. When you when you enter that political field, that you are, uh, that you you have some sense of accessibility, and, and voters feel that through, you know, town hall meetings, and I know those are limited right now, especially with COVID, but it's but they also feel that through presidential debates. And so, if we want to have this feeling that our democracy is something that we can impact as an average voter and that we have a say in, then you need to show up for those things, so that way our democracy is still something that's realistic and attainable for. Um, everyday Americans, they need to know that this system can work for them. And when you don't show up for the very basic bare minimum of a debate, then they're going to lose that sense of of civic duty. There's no reason for them to show up to the polls if you can't show up for the debate. So we need to have that.
1: Well, what's it say too about the the confidence that he has in his ideas versus JD's? You know, if because it, it, really, what a, a debate's going to end up being is just an ex- exchange of ideas on how we fix the things that we don't like. How do we um, continue the you know doing the things that we do? How do we improve here, there, whatever? So, to me, it also shows a lack of confidence in the in the, the man's ideas that he has. That he's not willing to show up and, and debate those issues. I don't think we need to get him on the podcast. I was just going
3: to say maybe this is the time hey, to say and not to bash him. But You're to welcome work. to come on and uh, explain why you missed why you didn't go to the debate. You're welcome to come on <laughs> and explain your uh, stances and all and whatever you want. Uh, I don't want to like when I say, hey, let's invite him to the podcast. I'm not
2: saying, like, hey, let's get him on here so we can try to pull fast on him and, and try to one up him and get a gotcha moment. No, like, come here, tell us why we're wrong. Share share with us why you deserve this seat, why you think you've earned it, and why you think people should vote for you. Like, that's what we're here for. Show us, have a beer, sit down. This is that'd be what the purpose of this podcast is. So, we'd love to have you. All right, Brian, you want to close us out, dude? It's your baby. Put it um, Alrighty, thanks for joining us for this episode. Uh, It was a fun one. We appreciate it. We hope that you guys tune in for the next one and subscribe to our podcast. Uh,
1: Thanks again. Go vote. Politics does not touch football. Politics is
3: winner take all. It always has been, and it always will be. Too many OBGYNs aren't able to practice their love with women all across this country. There is
1: not a liberal America and a conservative America, there is the United States of America.